0: Out of Austin, Texas, you're listening to the Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast. Here's your host, Sheila Dean. What day is it? Saturday? It's Saturday again. We're looking at a cooling, lovely 75 degrees here in Austin, Texas during the ACL season. Lots of people here in Austin looking for music and more. So we are uh, in fall. This is what's going on in fall and surprise you got Israel and Hamas blowing each other up. Woo! That's your surprise surprise. October surprise. So that really doesn't have a lot to do unfortunately with the rigour of our show. What we do is we we kind of calculate on a lot of the digital mass surveillance that's still hovering around. Kind of like an obsessive quadcopter. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? You know. But that's digitally, so... It's not like you can see it so you can swat it away. I mean, if it was an actual object in your purview, you could probably get it out of there. But because it's virtual... You know, there's, there's kind of like this invisible capture that we're all kind of chronically dealing with, and uh, it can be quite crazy-making. As if there wasn't enough in our society to really make you lunatic, uh, there, there's plenty with this. So uh, it might actually be a shorter show, <clears throat> because there's a lot of things that are hogging the world stage uh, that are not necessarily coming to the fore. So I'm just going to stick to my... My micro-focused beat so that I can, with all the things that are chaotically competing for your attention, um, that are dominating the news cycle, as actually to a point of distraction, you know, I'm just going to focus on a few things. One, religions are increasingly becoming targets for uh, genocide campaigns. And I find that the way that the UN is scuttling or kind of turning a blind eye towards these things is by uh, this kind of classification of religious genocide not being real genocide. So, you know, I, I picked up a book called Religicide, and it kind of is a case study on several of the smaller ethnic-based religions around the world that are targeted or have been targeted in the last 10, 15 years. Rohingya, um, the Uyghur population, or the Turkic Muslims from Mongolia uh, that are now in <clears throat> re-education camps in China. And there are others. There's Tibet, you know their they're, their Buddhist population is totally under chronic fire. I mean, they uh, to a point where you know the international community has just you know heard it and heard it. But I'm not sure why the occupation is being ignored so so concurrently. So it's it's good to pop up ahead every now and then and just mention Tibet is still under human rights duress under chronic stress and human rights duress about the suppression and repression of their religious faith. Additionally, there is this, um, there are the Christian factions in Syria, Iraq, and now Azerbaijan, who are Armenian. They are under attack for their ethnic... Communities, you know, based on who they are as a people. So these are smaller ethnic communities that are being zeroed down on because they have a strong identity. They have a faith, Uh, they have a unique ethnic or um, uh, attachment to either the land. Or to the surroundings, and they're usually a small, quasi-tribal group of people, you know, they're, they're making their way, they're not necessarily a, a huge problem for anyone, but they are easy to make a, an example out of by governments who want to play bully and have an agenda, you know, to, to kind of galvanize the majority the perceived majority. And I would say that on a good day, the perceived majority doesn't have anything going on except for their own self-interest. They don't really have, you know, genocide. Genocide's really not top of mind for farmers and school teachers and firemen. And, you know, people that are routine... You know, office holders in your community, you know, those people aren't really interested in genocide most of the time. <clears throat> so genocide is kind of like this alien concept for a lot of people that are presumed ignorant. And then there are the people who are actually committing genocide, who want you to be ignorant, and then they're calling it something else as a as a form of denialism. I'll give you an example. In Costa Rica, right now, uh, there is a group. Uh, an organized group called the interest of justice and interest of justice has filed many uh, articles <clears throat> to have a hearing on the the death causing agents and the bad medicine the bad medical effects of the covid-19 vaccine and this is important because a lot of people have been been impacted and the the injury and death count attributed directly to the vaccines is being undercounted most deliberately by vares They stopped counting deaths. They stopped counting injuries. They, they stopped recording in, in, injuries a couple of months back. That was very suspicious. And then, of course, vares stopped recording deaths. So what are they doing instead? They're recording things like myocarditis and they're they're recording and then they stopped recording deaths and infant deaths uh and and fetal deaths maternal deaths surrounded to the vaccine that is super suspicious and that happened like last week so um so it's going to nuremberg now for all those people who are like, oh, you're a vax suppressor, you're a vax, blah, 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 you know, dispersion, dispersion, you know, <clears throat> okay, you can judge me, you can get all judgy about me, but if I take a medicine and it cripples me, you're not gonna pay my bills. If I take a bad medicine and it kills me, you're not gonna pay for my funeral. And I know that. So I'm gonna take full, I'm gonna listen and take it on the nose. You're finger wagging and you're shaking of of me like I'm an amoral so-and-so. You know, because there's a lot of this going on um, and part of it that has kind of come out in the wash, and this is through a news item through Epoch Times, and it's, like I said, these subcategories of the VARES data, over 14,000, between fourteen and 15,000 reports have come in from bad mental health effects, anxiety, panic attacks, depression, <clears throat> attributed to the vaccine. Like, people actually phoned it in, you know, and they are half of the mental health effects... That have ever been recorded with VARES ever. So, of all vaccine injury reports having a an adverse impact to, to mental health, the COVID nineteen vaccine has half of them, and that's like over the last two years, or you know, since the, the vaccine has been out. And again, there's been t- there's been so many. To reform the vaccine, they've had renditions of the vaccine to to address variants. But are they really improving the efficacy of the vaccine? These are questions you can't really get answers to right away because the, the science is really fast. The science is really fast. It takes time to make an actual vaccine, sometimes 15 years. So people who are generally ignorant about immunology... You know, you can know that kernel and know that it takes a long time to bake a vaccine or to get one right to know that if you turn one out too quickly, you're a lab rat. And this is experimental science. Do you want to be a part of an experiment for medical science? That's that's the question. And if you don't and if you didn't, or if you have and it didn't go your way, I think that's worth saying, at least observing Uh, in passing. So back to the back to the Nuremberg report. So this is Costa Rica. They don't have any U.S. hangups. You know, they don't have the medical architecture that's self-defensive trying to like say no, 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 this didn't happen. It's not really real. You know, these are not the droids you're looking for. You know, they didn't collude with maybe China to do gain of function to make this happen. So they're really not invested. So I'm not, I'm not all for, like, ignoring the, the contributions of the entire world just because they're from Latin America uh, as substandard medicine. You know, we need, we need references from other parts of the world to, to make a, a good decision. It doesn't make me a globalist to say that. It just makes me somebody who's, like, interested in, in um, unaffected or untampered results you know i love my country it's it's a good place for for lots of things but recently it's become quite medically fascist and i i really can stand on my own assertion here that if we're trying to tell people on radio stations and television stations what medicine is from day to day and have the military enforce that uh i th- i think we've turned a really dark corner so they're still doing this. <clears throat> so it's, that's why it's so important to focus on, just focus on the, the identity piece. Anyways, Interest of Justice has a Nuremberg case that is getting a hearing on vaccine injury. But this has so much to do with the orbit of censorship, repression, and the case for international genocide on human populations I mean, I'm beginning to ask, like, different questions now. The kinds of questions I, I'm ha- are asking are things like, okay, you know, there's a group of people at the World Economic Forum and the UN who really want to see genocide happen, and that's why they're involved, actually. You know, they get involved in these, these large global wheels so that they can have as much influence as possible over human fates worldwide, globally. And they're really intentional about being able to keep the numbers of the human population down. And I'm thinking, you know, what is it, what kind of school did they go to? I'm really asking the question. You know, what kind of school did they go to? What kind of training did they have? You know, what religion do they observe? You know, what happens to them if a population Exceeds a certain number, like seven billion, nine billion. What happens to them? Well, so far, nothing really is bad as bad has happened to them. They, they become quite active, and you know, they seem to be accruing more money to themselves. and And uh, people like Bill Gates, he's kind of like the the poster child for this, you know, global eugenics movement that's kind of been given a license to kill internationally through vaccines and other soft kill measures. Um, And then of course we adopt, you know, psychological operations to, you know, get our own youth to neuter themselves voluntarily by convincing them that they're a different gender and enforcing that through the public school system. I'm saying outrageous things here, but it's not really outrageous if you think about it through the lens of somebody who has a really intense intentional genocidal it's you know they want to kill like two-thirds of the human population you know what happens to them if they don't do that do they get killed i don't think so i don't think so i don't think they die um you know does is there a consequence in their religion if they don't get two-thirds of the population down like what kind of badge do they get? What's the incentive program for them to to be able to somehow legally kill two thirds of the U.S. or or the world population? Really, um, you know, what happens to them if they don't do this? They seem to be really driven. People at the World Economic Forum want want to stop to crops and farming so that we can eat bugs. It just seems really ludicrous. And that's really how it breaks down. I'm thinking that that can't possibly be true. No. No, that's what they have planned. There is no plan. The plan is to get dead two-thirds of the world population so that they can try to entertain this delusion that they're feudal lords. They are already way overly moneyed. Half of them are child molesters. You know, what is in it for them? You know, they're they're not necessarily great or good people. They just have a lot of money and because of that they have a lot of power. So, I'm using the power that I have. I have a microphone and a podcast and this is what I'm telling you is that <clears throat> I don't have to serve the interests of these people. There's a there's a choice here and I don't I don't have to regard what they say. But what I will tell you is that you know they have intentionally inserted themselves in the interest of people who decide what genocide is and is not, and so they're they're tricking and playing around with language. They're making commodities genocide, okay, and the, they are getting the help and the helpful work of the PRC to do this because they've convinced someone in the socialist you know st- set of standards that that commodities and capitalism. It is bad for the world because it's not owned for the, owned by the government, and and they are therefore it can't be centrally controlled. Anything that can't be centrally controlled is bad, 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 bad. Independent people, people with who can own a home, bad, 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 bad. People who can can uh, bank without Canadian oversight, bad, 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 bad. I mean, this is true. This week according to multiple reports and Russell Brand, the Canadian government passed a measure somehow that their larger federal body can sanction an individual without a court order, any kind of due process in their government. You should really think about that. They don't need a court order to do it. They can sanction anybody. So now they can just seize the assets of any one of their people in Canada. That's a really scary prospect because when truckers started to speak out against the regime, the first thing they did was seize up on the finances of waitresses. Okay, And the way that they did that is because they had a universal ID system. I just want to remind people of that. You cannot do this without a universal ID system connecting everything that you own and you are to your bank. So decoupling like federated digital ID with your bank account is crucial. Having paper or separate identity articles, not networked identity articles, government credentials, so I mean they are there is a difference between possessing a digital copy and using that at the airport that one time and then getting it off your phone. Okay? I still think it's a bad idea because your your mobile phone is one of the least secure receptacles out there. It is not secure. It is on a cloud system, it's on wireless, it's on Wi-Fi, it's spraying information. I mean I don't know how to tell you any any more succinctly. It's not a secure place to put your information. Anything in there, unless it's, you know, in a an encrypted place, will be viewable, will be perceivable and readable by an external third party. I don't know what else to tell you. That's half the reason why people secretly don't make phone calls on their phone anymore. Because they believe someone is listening. And, you know, you have to function. And accepting the fact that, you know, through, through a, a, a fear, a coven of fear, that, you know, our, our phones are going to be listened to by some some interloper, third party, and it can be anyone, it really can be anyone, um, is really a bad standard. So, <clears throat> there are a couple of books out that, that came out this week. I want to focus on identity. And there's actually not going to be that much news this week. But I am going to, it's going to be heavy on like call to action or the things that you can do. So let's get to this. Reclaim the Net. This is by Didi Rankovic. Issued yesterday, October 13th. United Nations Development Program or the UNDP urges governments to push digital ID, escalating a push towards digital ID. So the UN Development Agency, UNDP, has published its governance framework for digital public infrastructure, which the World Organization no doubt eagerly hopes all of its 190 plus members will align with. Once again, another UN body comes out with a contested policy, basing it on the overarching one that it's supposed to provide it with legitimacy, the Sustainable Development Goals and Agenda 2030. Now, you're going to hear about SDGs. Uh, I encourage you to go look at them. The Sustainable Development Goals, a lot of them are anti-farm. They're anti-food. They're anti-human. And um, sustainable for what? Sustainable for who? Challenged by a lot of people. And a lot of people are getting wise. So, I think that the UN has actually become quite poisoned against the interest of both the united states and likely the world it's become a captured entity by socialist utopian technologists and technocrats who want genocide they do not believe in the interest of capital like capitalist systems they want more socialism and they want more international death. Soft death, hard death, death. We gotta get those numbers down. We need to nuke these people. We need to, you know, plague it out. We need to... We need to, to, to make sure that all these little... The little ones, let's get the little ones because we can get them. Let's get... Let's get a lot of people to to go away. So they are quite intentional. and then also centralize the systems so that three incestuous families can become, you know enormously dominant feudal lords again. So it's it's really quite evil. Uh, it's not a conspiracy. it's happening in plain sight, but they want to kind of like get you to to blink it out like this isn't happening. This isn't happening. It's an imaginary conspiracy theory. If I just put a conspiracy I lick it and say it's that, then it's not actually happening. No, it's actually happening. The vaccines were part of it. I'm going to finish this article. Stay on target. So here, UNDP said in a post on its website last month that the digital ID framework was its reaction to request for institutional support. Lauded its own effort as inclusive and based on, ostensibly, civil and legal rights. What is clear is that the UN is very committed to pushing the adoption of digital IDs so that at every available opportunity, the activities of UNDP included. For those countries, rather their current governments, who accept to follow UN's lead on digital public infrastructure, or DPI, which digital IDs are but a part Reports that the, and the recommended framework has nine points. Legal, regulatory frameworks, non-discrimination, access to information, legal accountability, capable institutions, user value, procurement, and anti-corruption and data protections. Okay, that's, that's deep and bureaucratic and
1: uh, granular, but this is what it sounds like is changing the way we manage our data, our information, our interactions, and our identities online. The United Nations is ready to digitally transform how it deals with identity, with a system to streamline information sharing, daily workflows, access to platforms and buildings, operating across agencies by providing its personnel with a universal system-wide identity solution. Introducing the UN Digital ID, a unique and digital identity for UN personnel, from the day you join to the day you part. All of your personal, HR, medical, travel, security, payroll and pension data in the palm of your hand, giving you full control on what you share and with whom. With blockchain and biometrics, the UN Digital ID makes verification efficient, secure, transparent, immutable, portable and universal. It's been piloted by different agencies and the UN Pension Fund, where they've replaced current manual processes with certainty for who and where pension recipients say they are at any given time. Imagine a regional field officer has just joined the UN. She uses the mobile app to obtain a digital wallet, stored securely in her smartphone and only accessible to her with biometrics. Even better than a physical wallet, she can store all her credentials issued by any UN organisation in her digital wallet. She has immediate access to course certificates, travel clearances from UNDSS, medical records from allergies to vaccinations, also making any transfer to another organization a breeze. As innovation transforms the world, we can improve the way we manage our identities online. UN Digital IDs, a building block for digital cooperation, unlocking the promise of the SDGs.
0: So that's it. I mean, it's, it's really very obvious. The UNDP has a design. They, they, they pitched it, and they formed it around their own employees first, which is typically what the government does. They did this with FISMA in the United States government. They got everybody on a centralized uh, ID plan for government ID like within the government ecosystem if you work there. And this was directed at UN employees. They wanted to encourage everybody to get on a centralized uh, coin program for their ID. Again, this is, this is a design to make you the monetary article.